This is Hope and Health with Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life. Okay, so we are going to get into this thing today in our Hope and Health broadcast, and we have a proverbial Hope dealer, honorary member to our family, Scott McKay, the Patriot Street Fighter. He is live right now. So, Scott, man, welcome. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Well, Dr. Mark, the pleasure is mine. Um, a surprise seeing you pop up on the screen to an event you invited me to, and I've already seen you or met you. Just didn't know which one was Dr. Mark Sherwood and Tulsa. I'm like, holy Mary, mother of God. It was that powerhouse walking around. I was like, I wanted to figure out what that guy had going on. So it's great to meet you. Man, it's nice to meet you too, uh, officially. And I know we're going to connect paths live in the future. I have no doubt about that. Um, I followed you for a number of years, and I've always admired something about you that I thought I would wait until the broadcast to tell you. It is the consistency and persistency of staying with a mission. You don't, you, you don't waver, man. You are just like locked into it, and I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's easy to chase all the bunnies that are running around out there popping out of the bushes all the time. And, you know, I learned a long time ago, if you try to try to chase more than one rabbit, you're likely to catch neither one of them. So, you know, you, you look at the, you look at the landscape you're hunting on and you, you know, you assess it and then you stay with your, your, your goal, your mission. So, and it's not really hard. You know, we spent a couple of years on this intelligence operation, walking through it in real time and living through it. So yeah. You know, the, the 80,000 foot view makes it very apparent what's happening here. So you don't have to second guess all the maneuvers and maneuverability of the operation. You just have to watch it evolve with fascination to the end game that's coming. Um, that's how I see it. Well, there's a lot of changes coming and uh, you have a little bit of a unique background. We're we're similar in this in the, in the bodybuilding and lifting arena. So just talk about that a little bit if you, if you want, how that kind of shapes your life and how you got into that. You know, it was accidental for me. Like, in fact, anything I've ever been able to do is completely accidental and unlikely. Um, I was a sophomore in high school. I was a basketball player. That's my best sport. But uh, so I didn't want to, I used the excuse when I had to lift weights for football. I'm like, I can't do that. I'll be too muscle bound. Won't be able to shoot. That was a real hope. I was 135 pound defensive end at like five, nine and a half. How absurd was that? (laughs) So one summer uh, we were forced to go to weightlifting and and then we were tested at the end of each month. And at the final final testing before school started, we had what were called the strength and agility tests. And, you know, they rank ordered you, put you on a wall. And, uh, you know, the guy at the top who wins is now the strength and agility champion. His name goes underneath that plaque on the weight room wall, you know, big badge of honor. And so anyways, um, uh, that particular uh, testing period when we were all standing around looking for our names to see how we finished, I couldn't find mine. I was the last guy to you know, finally get up there and like, I can't find it. Well, I was number 67 out of 67. So, so I, I I remember being at at that time, I I just said to myself, people remember first place and last place. Right. So I was humiliated and I said, this is never going to happen again. Now that off season, I had some plastic weights with cement in them and those benches and that stuff that I got from somebody. And so I just went to work in my basement and I just, I never let up because I wanted to play football more than anything else. So by the time my senior year came around, the roles reversed completely. Um, you know, it's painful. You know how it was when you're young and you're putting your body through that. People thought I was insane, but I'm like, it's what I have to do. And so that sort of set the foundation for 
everything else I probably did after that. I was willing to endure pain because I always say my dad was a slave driver. Like he'd take excuses. You know, you're 12, you're skinny, grab those railroad ties and drag them over here across the yard. Cause we're going to, we're going to build a wall. And I'm like, but I'm 12. Hey, you'll, we'll figure it out. You'll do it. So I had to, and it was hard work, you know, when you're, you know, weak and skinny and young, but I, I never, there were no excuses. Like something needs done. Pop's like, got to get it done. So I was used to, to, you know, knowing what that feels like. And that was a big key turning point for me because I was prepared to say, Hey, this sucks. It hurts, but you know, you just pound through it. And so then, uh, you know, I guess it was, I don't know how many years later, I was pretty diligent. And then I was, you know, standing on a national stage eight, I guess it was eight years afterward. Um, and that was kind of the world I lived in. It was, it was, I was a Penn state and, uh, my focus was to become a competitive pro. And so I think it was after the collegiate nationals in 89, I had this mindset, like, I want to be a Navy fighter pilot. <laughs> so wow. I ended up, I walked away, uh, I was out of the gold, a bench, uh, sitting outside of a bench, um, outside of a, on a bench outside of golds in Venice with some of my buddies from Penn state one day. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm retiring. And I was the guy that had the promising career. I was at the turning point because I had a, my structure and, and it was very marketable, but they're like you out of your fork in mind. I'm like, no, I want to be a Navy fighter pilot. I was gone. And then I spent the, uh, spent quite some time preparing for, you know, these AQT FAR exams, uh, teaching myself aerodynamics, jet propulsion, going back to all my, my, you know, advanced mathematics from, from algebra clear through college and all that stuff, preparing for these things. And, and when I walked into the Marine Corps office, I was 265 and they're thinking, yeah, I guess the kids saw Top Gun, one of those guys, you know, yeah. <laughs> they sent yeah. me to the Navy. I come back seven or eight months later, I shaved from down to like 205 and they wow. were like stunned, like, holy Mary, mother of God, this kid's for real. So I had sky high scores. I had a guaranteed track. Uh, and then, you know, Cheney under, I uh, was deaf sec under Bush yeah. one and they were cutting back the Reagan buildup. So my guaranteed flight contract disappeared uh, during that quarter because you know, it's a needs assessment. 200 candidates every quarter, I'm, I'm a lock. And they let me know that I'm a lock. Yeah. Well, they picked five because <laughs> they had cutbacks. I wasn't one of them. Oh. So that was devastating, but it, it diverted my attention away from, from, you know, from that world. And it was a devastating uh, impact on me psychologically. It, 10 years to get over that because I wanted to you know, serve my country. What do we learn today? The best thing that happened to me was it didn't happen because I'd have mm. on my conscience what I would have done to innocent people on behalf of the Kazarian Mafia central bankers that are just basically creating wars to make money. So that's kind of how the whole bodybuilding world went. Um, you know, I ended up in the wellness industry anyways and, yeah. you know, had uh, nice high-end wellness centers, Pilates-based physical therapy, caramelized bamboo floors with matrix equipment, all that kind of stuff. That was a cool part of what I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of from A to Z till I hit the, you know, mid 2007 or eight roughly. So what, you know, now, and, and I want people to really get this, I know the answer, but what, what's your, what's your passion? What drives you right now? Well, this war is what drives me. I mean, I have, uh, you know, 16 years in elective politics and, uh, that was my world that I chose after, you know, I wanted to serve my country a different way. And, um, by 2006, I realized the machine was corrupt. I'd worked enough campaigns, presidential campaigns, ran state assembly race in California. And then we see after 911, you know, by 04, you realize it was an inside job. We, you know, that you, you don't know it at the, at the heights of it like we know now. The Bush cabal is a, is a crime syndicate, um, a presidency that I worked on uh, two campaigns. So 
being disgusted to the point where in 06, I realized that my dream of getting to the United States Senate had come to an end because I realized it was a corrupt empire and I would never survive it. So I just moved on. And, uh, and, and, and I watched the country, although I never stopped doing the research that I've always done now, I guess it's been about 30 years, almost 30 years. Um, I became more, uh, I guess I would say uh, dis, disenchanted mm-hmm. um, with what was going on in a country. And then, and then watching Donald Trump make an announcement speech, what, which I caught just by accident. Within five minutes, I started texting people around the country, turn your TV on, stop everything. Here's the nominee in the landslide president coming. And um, watching now that we had somebody that had the balls to go after the machine, I, I, I was like all in, like, I'm not getting back into elective politics, but now I'm uh, going to use my voice during the election. We won. I disappeared because I'm not going to gloat. It was insanity. When the BLM Antifa nonsense hit and I sitting here watching the nation burn, I'm like, that's it. That's it. And that's when I started the tipping point on revolution radio became that full throttle, high octane truth hammer that goes after every scumbag on the planet. Um, and, and that just, you know, uh, at all personal costs, I just decided I'm going to launch my own personal war and, um, you know, turned into be a live stream one day I did one time and blew up and Lynn Wood put it on his parlor page and got millions of views. And all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> it's like, OK, I guess we're in this thing now. There's no way out. <laughs> so that's kind of what drives me now. It's a we have a chance to bring this global satanic power structure down, which we're going to. Yeah. And it's all I've thought about for decades. I, it's all I've thought about. It's, it's dominated my life. And here we are. Now it's showtime. So uh, every waking moment and every sleeping moment, it, it is this right here. Well, you get the uh, the name Patriot Street Fighter. Kind of tell us where that came from. Um, I had a, uh, a phone call when all this stuff happened after this live stream, November 12th of last year. And there, it was, it was, it was fascinating and insane how the whole sky opened up and just started pounding me with calls and emails. I'm like, what, what is going on here? I couldn't believe it. And, uh, and when YouTube stripped it down quickly after like 350,000 views, like right away, then they, then it made it even like people like, wait, wait, what happened? Where to go? So finally one day there's a, um, uh, Marine Corps pilot, he, like he was saying he was flying, uh, flying commercial at the time, or maybe just retired. Somehow he got a hold of me, said, you need to talk to this guy. And so I said, yeah, I'll talk to him. And it happened to be Ron Partain. And he called me. I called him after I did a show. And um, he said, I'm glad I finally got to talk to you, Scott. He said, I'm going to kiss your ass for 10 minutes. And I was like, this is the way to approach a phone call. You know, this is a phone call I'm going to (laughs) take. So he started to tell me, he said, Scott, he said, I found that video and he said, I binge watch you for two straight days now. <laughs> so he just said, uh, so we had a conversation. He goes, you know what? He said, everything that I've been looking at about you, he said, I saw this on your Twitter bio, like that little paragraph you put. And at the bottom of it, it says Q Patriot Street Fighter. He says, you need to drop the Q. He says, because what I see, you're a Patriot Street Fighter. I was like, Oh yeah, that's pretty interesting. He says, he said something about a t-shirt and I said, you think people buy a t-shirt with that on? He's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, Oh, how cool is that? (laughs) So since then all that stuff just went nuclear, you know? So I just get a kick out of it. You know, the Tomahawk and it was like things that we created uh, that were sort of a branding thing. Um, 
it just it's just taken on this incredible um energy which blows me away i mean it's far above my pay grade believe me it's been funny the the energy is uh is sort of fed off on us when when people um found out that you know we had a connection and had these mutual interests i get it blown up all the time now hey can you get this from scott mckay i mean seriously it's like <laughs> well I, I don't know about that but i'm just really grateful to be in this conversation with you now scott you you know, as you and I talked on the phone previously, um, and, and and people know this probably, you had a, a really life-threatening incident back in 2014. Can you talk about that and how you came back from that and how that shaped your life now? Yeah, I um, yeah, I had this catastrophic crash on my Harley-Davidson. Um, I laid, laid, laid it into the side of a van at 50 miles an hour, which pretty much is a death sentence for anybody, but... Um, you know, I had my my crossover moment, you know, when I was laying on the road, never hit my head the way this thing happened. So the the, the impact didn't kill me, but it blew me apart. I guess it was a pretty grotesque uh, um, scene of what I looked like laying on that road face down. But when I wasn't breathing, when I sort of got my bearings and I wasn't breathing, then, you know, you go into that high speed conversation that here's what's going on. Here's why these things are happening in your body. You're not breathing. And, um, you know you're going to die. Okay. This is where it's happening. And I remember picking my, I could get my, get my elbow on the ground and like lift my head up and snap my quick release goggles fell off. I looked around and I looked around, I looked to the right. I remember two guys standing on the curb with their arms crossed mm. that were driving a van. They're looking down at me and I'm thinking, wow, they're just going to stand there and watch me die. I'm like, that's, that's odd. You know? And then I looked around, I was like, okay, so this is where I die right here, right now. So I just, your brain talks to you really fast and just said, okay, you're going to pass out in about 45 seconds and, and, uh, everything's going to be okay. Everything is absolutely okay. It's very peaceful. So I laid my forehead down on the road and then, uh, you just, it, here we are. And then, you know, you fade to black and, uh, I don't know how long that happened, but I just know that at some point I start hearing this horrific noise. It's, and I, I don't know why I describe it this way. It's what I thought in my brain. It sounds like somebody stabbing a walrus to death. These horrible sounds. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm thinking, where's the white light? Where's the white light? Cause I was, you know, <laughs> barely, you know, you're just fading completely out of consciousness and it's, you know, I don't know how long, you know, it silenced and then came back. But, but what I realized later was my, my lungs were just, they're just pounding, firing, trying to kick on again. And of course, that one moment where I heard this horrific sound, it was like that coming out of a 30 foot dive underwater and you take that massive gasp and that sort of woke me back into consciousness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, the injuries were catastrophic, um, uh, soft tissue, damn everything catastrophic. I mean, I blew my pelvis off my spine. Um, I had an open book fracture in the front of my pelvis that they said I could give birth to a 30 pound baby. <laughs> Broke my femur in seven pieces. Uh, my left foot counter rotated an ankle sprain till it fully severed. Um, talus bone broke, flew out the back of my foot. Luckily, it was in my boot. Uh, all these, you know, broken ribs, vertebrae, um, everything's just destroyed. So me included. So, anyways, I, uh, you know, I hung in there, and, and uh, they got me to a trauma center. Luckily, I was close to a trauma center. They kept me in the game, and and then they went to work for. I guess 11 days later, I come out of it, but they just, um, I kept surviving all these surgeries. I got enough metal in my, uh, I got enough metal in my body to build a bicycle. So, so <laughs> in fact, I can probably, I don't know if your camera can see that 
but that's probably hard to see. It's probably really tough. Yeah. You can see the outlines, but you can't really see, you can't see all the metal, but um, so all this stuff bolts me back together. I continue to survive these surgeries, but they, they expected that I just wouldn't survive these. And I kept coming out of one they'd go in again and go in again. And they're probably thinking, man, we're wasting a lot of good metal here at the end. He's not going to make it. I found that out years later, but so I was paralyzed on my left side. Um, I didn't know what, to what degree, except I couldn't move it and all this stuff. But so I went through, you know, the, the horror of waking up. 11 days later, and you are now, you know, in this wrecked hall that you, you trapped in and you can't get out of. And the pain is every second. I remember watching a clock literally for 24 hours, every second it went around there counting, please just let me die. Let me die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you cry like a baby, you know, when they come in to turn you and all that stuff. So I, um, you know, I, it was a, it was a, it was a, a terrible experience. The reckoning that, you know, being a high performance athlete all of my adult life. And now the reckoning that this is who you are, what you are. And they gave me, you know, the prognosis, 95% of the people with gravity, these injuries, that this is just where, what you have to accept. You need counseling, all that. And I never did. I remember telling my, who's now ex-wife when I was laying in uh, that trauma center, when I was actually conscious and can think and bringing up the fact that what what's the future going to be like like the wrong time to like be talking about this but i just remember saying i know how bad this is and i really didn't to the degree but i just said i'm gonna you are you know me and i don't know how but i'm telling you right now i'm going to turn this into an asset i don't know how but i'm going to and i just had that mindset so it was hell for a long time and um you know i ended up homeless crippled and penniless eight months later lost my company, lost everything. I was put in a a situation where I had to make a call, stay in a terrible situation, fight two wars at once, or take option B and end up homeless, crippled, penniless, and decide to fight the the psychological war to overcome these injuries and walk again. So fortunately, the grace of God and, you know, people that, that, you know, provided me a track that I could be in a warm climate where it wasn't hard for me as hard with all the metal and all that. Uh, a friend took me in, a former client, free place to live for three years. And I just went to war every day. I refused disability. Uh, so I starved for a bit. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't allow my brain to believe I was disabled. So people were like, you're insane. I'm like, I can't take the risk. If I have a disability check, my brain might just say you're disabled. Yep. And I wasn't gonna let that happen. So, um, you know, I just stayed on that war for years. And four years later, I was able to walk into that trauma center and thank everybody. And just one of those lucky things, you know, that happened. I'm sure there were a lot of tears when you walked into that trauma center, huh? Well, they don't, they remembered me, especially the chief nurse. who's a total stud. I fell in love with this guy. And then my ex-wife did too. He's amazing. And he was floored. He just said, he, he, he didn't, I just said, you wouldn't, you don't remember me probably. Cause I look much different, but you remember my wife mentioned her name. He's like, Oh my God. You know, and he remembered that because I just said to him, I said, what, um, so what really was, what, what did you see at that time? He said, well, that room right there, 14, he said, was where you were. He said, that's the room that you're not coming out of. <laughs> he said, but he said, you know, people come with those kind of injuries. If they ever make it, they come here years later. Cause they want to thank us too. And he said, but they have walking devices or, you know, whatever he said, but I'm just stunned. You're, I just can't believe you're standing here. And then that same day I went and knocked on the door of uh, Mark. This guy was a brilliant guy. Um, he was a top professor at uh, Columbia University Medical School. 
in Manhattan and he's also on staff at Presbyterian. And this is where this happened outside of Manhattan. And, uh, uh, he was on the scene that day because I was right, right in front of his house. And I heard this guy talking to me. So I knocked on his door because he had come into the trauma center. His father was in the hospital. So he kept checking on me and never met him, heard him talking to me. That's it. And I, and this lady, beautiful, lovely lady opened up the door and I said, uh, pardon for knocking unannounced. I said, but I was in a catastrophic crash right here on Passaic Valley a couple of years ago. She goes, Oh my God, Scott. And I was like, I don't know who this lady was. Well, it's her. She'd been to the hospital too. And, and she said, Oh my God, come in, come in. So we talked for a few minutes and she was just like, you have to, or she goes, can you come back? Frank has to see you. I'm telling you, you're going to make his day. He'll be back from the city at six 30. So I came back later. He didn't come back. I called him. She gave me a cell phone, but before I left, she said, I just got to tell you, Scott, it's amazing to see you upright, let alone even walking. And I'm like, Oh, well, thank you. You know? So he meets me that night. We sat for three hours. Like we were old friends talking at a railroad railway station restaurant, having some drinks. And, and I asked him the same question. When'd you see that day? So he described it and, um, in the way you doctors do, but he just said, um, I'm just, I'm actually amazed to see you upright, let alone walking. I said, you know, I've heard that twice today. <laughs> but he said with the gravity of your injuries, I couldn't believe you were alive. He said, on top of that, when I asked you your, your medical, you know, your medical history, you gave me a dissertation that was absolutely stunning. Like I'm talking about, you know, a spinal fusion, L5 S1 spinal fusion with a Scottish right TD, you know, a, th- a 3d system and all this stuff that I researched at that time. He's like, Oh my goodness gracious. How could this guy be reciting all this incredible information when I'm like laying there dying? It it, is a lot of humor about how it all, how it all went, but, but um, you know, it's a, it's a game changer because uh, you make a decision and and this is why, you know, from a, from a motivational or a consciousness realm, I wanted to, I wanted to prove to people that what the power of human consciousness, if they understand it, um, you know, from a quantum physics realm, which has been my passion for, you know, 15 years. If you understand that you're equipped to do amazing things, even with a physical body. And I wanted that to be something I could share with the world. Like, I don't care what you think about yourself, where you are, you have no idea how special and powerful you are. If you could discover it, you can, you, it's unimaginable what you can do for your life, your own happiness. And I'm here to tell you here is exactly the proof that was my goal you know so you know god bless me with that ability to um you know the 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 you know i i had a very i had a very dangerous work ethic because that's what my dad instilled in me there's no excuses work and that's what has to be done so that stayed with me from the ground up and it was probably a key for uh you know for everything that that came after that so I've been blessed with a horrific situation, blessed, because what that did for me, Mark, I've been looking for spiritual enlightenment for most of my adult life. If anybody would tell you that, what Scott talk about, what does he want? Well, it took a sledgehammer to derail me off of a track that was not going to give me spiritual enlightenment. So guess what happened? You know, put me on a track that I was saying, this has to be where I'm going to find it. And uh, quite honestly, that's the 30,000 foot view of how that uh, brought me to where we are today. And it's been the greatest experience of my life. If you can imagine that it sucks. <laughs> I mean, there's things that I still carry with me, you know, uh, that make life not fluid. I mean, if I walk up to you, 
I was limping when I saw you there because the infection kicked up. You can't kill that bacteria once it hits a metal in your body. But, but today I walk around like nothing and you never know anything ever happened to me unless those infections or something kicks up. But, uh, so, um, you know, it is a defining moment. Well, you know, I have followed you for a while and, and I've admired you and I admire you. I should say that not past, but I do because of your stick to itiveness. And obviously that clearly by your passion in which you shared that communicates the strength and resiliency that you have. And, and I, if I hear you right, you're saying that that kind of strength and resiliency is available for every human being to see a passion, to see a purpose and go get it. That anything you can achieve, you can go do it. Would that be correct? It is. And, and, and the sad thing about the world we live in is they built this matrix that we live in and we operate and it has a primary purpose. And that's to keep us from discovering the power of human consciousness, the power of God consciousness, the creator of all creation yeah. of which we're, you know, micro subsets of by an untold number. So the fact that, that we are, you know, um, by design, that likeness, there's no limitations. And, you know, it's all the cliche stuff, Mark, that we've had through all the books we've read, all the speakers we heard. It, it's the same cliche after cliche after cliche. Um, and that's what it becomes because it's redundant, repetitive. It doesn't really penetrate to be a real message. And I don't know what it, it, it is for anybody else or any other individual, but if you can buy into that, mm-hmm. I bought into it because I walked away from, 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 I threw God overboard in 99, yeah. like fork you, I'm done literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I went on my walkabout for, you know, that would have lasted till 2015, but I'd already been studying epistemology, metaphysics, you know, um, I got into quantum physics, you know, from early in two thousands. And I knew there was a, an intelligent blueprint that could explain why we hear, how does this whole thing work? But it was that pathway that I went down that allowed me to understand the quantum realm, make this comeback and then have a God experience, like a real physical God experience that, that changed my DNA, like literally momentarily over 20 second experience that I had when I was looking for it. So I'm just another guy. I mean, look, I was, like I said, a skinny 98 pound weakling uh, on the football field or, you know, whatever, whatever these things that I was a guy that was paralyzed in a completely destroyed body. Um, you know, go down through a list of these things. And it's like what you've done in your world. It's, it's the same thing. We know the truth. We know we're not all that, no matter what people think our audiences, they think, you know, all the love and adoration and like, Sooner or later, your folks are going to realize I'm just Scott McKay, but I'm prepared for that because <laughs> I know the truth. But we all we all think that way about ourselves. And it's unfortunate because um, that's why you see people that suffer tragedies, divorces, losing everything, and they make up their mind to bounce back. Boom. When they do, they like they look, oh, my God, I had no idea yeah. that I could do this. Once you have one of those, you're like, hey, what else can I do? You know, and uh, to me, that's what's what's fun to watch the lights come on in people's eyes and realize, you know what, you're a human being with God consciousness, like whatever you think you are, you could be in your own eyes, something truly special. I love that. You know, some of the most um, incredible people I've ever had in my life, you being one of those that I know, um, we all come from a place of deep pain, deep, deep pain. And you realize in that place of pain the power that is available to all of us to 
not just escape the pain, but turn the pain into our gain. And that's just really knowing who God is and, and what he, what he is and the way he loves us and the way he empowers us, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Scott, um, man, I, I feel like I've uh, talked to a, a buddy that I have not seen in 10 years. And it's just been like a, uh, just a pretty joyous connection here, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. We're cut from the same DNA, obviously, right? Yeah, man, no kidding. Same DNA. (laughs) How can people get a hold of you, Scott? How can they follow you around? Because my channels are taken down so much, um, I just now I I I grew um, you know this level of intellect that made me say, hey, why don't you just have people go to your scottmckay.us site, click on the YouTube icon, which you simply connect to the new the new YouTube channel (laughs) that just hit me recently. They kept getting taken down. I teach people to go over here and try to, you know, get, get the audience again, but scottmckay.us is pretty much where you can land to find a, a way to stay connected to, to any social media stuff that I do. And when they kick me out, no problem. Let's go to scottmckay.us. There's the new, there's the new YouTube channel. It's all ready to go. <laughs> so folks, I want you to go to scottmckay.us and um, you will continue to be fed with inspiration, uh, education, motivation, and the true reason that, he is called the Patriot street fighter comes apparent today because there's no battle that's come his way that he can't overcome with the understanding of a God conscious life there. You heard it right there. So Scott, man, I, I really want to uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm looking forward to us uh, sharing a mask free handshake and mask free hug one day, pretty quick. And, Very soon, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. I just really appreciate you, man. And thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for staying in that kind of condition and inspiring me, man. I'm like, man, when I grow up, I'm going to look like that guy. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're going to help each other. We're going to encourage each other. And that's what we're talking about. Iron sharpening iron to make more iron. I like it. You bet, brother. Well, it's a pleasure. I'm glad I finally get to do this with you face to face in one fashion or another. Absolutely, man. You're awesome. I appreciate you. Okay, brother. Have a great day. Thanks, man. Everybody. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear, proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv.